It is Locked on Jazz for the 18th of July. The Jazz at a European 6-6 wing. Who is he? What does it mean? Plus a new assistant coach. What's the latest on the Donovan Mitchell? Trades and a redo of hashtag AskLOJ. It's all coming up on the Monday edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen each and every day. I just want to apologize. Thanks to Holly Rowe who reached out to me. Uh, Friday's show, I guess, was an audio disaster. I pulled both of them. The questions were great. I was going to redo it this weekend. It didn't happen, and I just thought it would get buried. So what I want to do is I'm actually going to go back. We'll go back to Ask LOJ because it was so good. Um, And the questions were so great. But we obviously have some news to deal with first. The Jazz have signed Simone Fontecchio, uh, who joins the Jazz as a free agent, signing a two-year deal. Um, Fontecchio, I kind of asked around, um, talked to our European scout, um, and found out a little bit about him. So here's what, you know, I have, honestly, I haven't watched much of him, right? So 26 years old with a little bit upside left in him is the feeling the Jazz have on him. He has got great positional size. He can shoot. He's pretty athletic, and he's good in the open court. He's a worker and competitor on defense. Um, Simone Fontecchio, uh, and he, at six foot. Eight, I said 6'6", six, six, different listings, different places. His Wikipedia is 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, there was a European thing from his very early stages that had him at 6'6". Six, six. But I think in he's kind of generally now thought of, a, or, or now maybe he's grown, right? Like could be in something when he was 16 years old. Um, so he's 6'8", uh, 209 pounds. He's played in a lot of different places. His three-point shooting over the last few years has been over 40%. It's 38% for his European career, which started in 2012. And he wasn't a great shooter to start, so it's really been in the recent years that he's added that into his game um, to become a better three-point shooter. A pretty high plus 100 volume. Um, on the rule of 750, which is the last 753s you take are the indicator for your next 753s. Since 2012, he's only taken 949. So his number there is probably 39, 40%. Um, and so this is the best international prospect that was on the board from n- numerous reports. Draft Express, who does a very good job with that. Uh, and so the Jazz have grabbed him for a two-year contract. Uh, and he joins the Jazz, and then we'll see. You know, the obvious easy one is to immediately compare him to Joe Ingles. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I do get nervous just that same height, you know, and we decide um, that that's the case. He's from Italy, um, so maybe he's Danilo Gallinari. Uh, you know, one thing I thought was, you know, either way you want to look at it, he doesn't go to the line a great deal in his 25, 30 minutes a night. He does. He goes to the line about one or two times a game. So he's not that like he's he's going to be a complimentary player. He's not that pure scorer. 
Danilo Gallinari type, actually, who just goes to the basket and 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 puts it puts it on uh, the hoop and and drives and seems to get that. Just at least statistically. Um, from that end, he does get about an assist a half to two assists a game, and he grabs a few rebounds. I don't know a lot about him. I've watched highlight videos. It's kind of the least, my least favorite way of trying to de- evaluate whether a player is any good or not. Um, but he, the Jazz, you know, universally thought of as the number one international prospect, and it's a wing on a roster spot on a roster that doesn't have wings uh, right now. So that's that was an important pickup there. The other one is the Jazz out of Jason Terry to the coaching staff. I was wildly impressed with Jason Terry throughout the coaching search um, in that he played 19 years in the NBA. He then decided that he uh, wanted to be an assistant coach at Arizona, took that to be taking a G League head coaching job and living on the buses again. It showed me uh, a love of the game and an incredible desire to be great um, and not someone who's too big, big for things. And I thought that was really impressive. So very excited to have uh, Jason Terry on the staff. And I, I, I'm pretty certain Jason Terry's going to be a future NBA uh, head coach. Everybody I know who knows Jet from Seattle uh, just speaks the world of him as just one of the great guys in the business um, and who really just truly has a passionate love for the game. And those are the kind of guys like Antonio Lang was one we, you know, people want to know, like, how did this fall apart? One of the things was just some of those personalities that love being around the game as much got hired away or things like that. Antonio Lang was a, was a valuable piece that always was in a good mood. Um, in the building for the Jazz, and then when he left, um, that hurt. Donovan Mitchell has not been traded as of yet. Um, it's kind of a funny little news cycle, right? If you watch what's happened here, the Jazz aren't taking calls, then they are taking calls, then they're super close with the Knicks, and now it's like quiet. Like, And there's time to play this game. And then the rumors today are that the Nets might be involved. So there's pressure points being played here on all accounts, and it's going to be interesting to see you know, Danny has probably been very clear to the Knicks of what it is that he wants. He, he, I'm guessing he wants at least four unprotected or close to unprotected picks from the New York Knicks. I'm sure he wants a pick swap or two, um, depending on if he gets four unprotected picks. I'm sure he wants some of their other draft capital. They have eight picks over the next four years. Um, and you're probably wanting something in that realm. You probably have one or two of those you want. Uh, I don't. I don't know about R.J. Barrett. We talked about that last week. I think R.J. Barrett, and maybe it was on, um, maybe it was on our on the questions. So I'll I'll get into this. R.J. Barrett's interesting in that you have to kind of figure out where his timeline is. My feeling on R.J. Barrett is his actual value to both the Jazz and the Knicks might be as a tradable asset. So the Knicks, Zion Williamson and John Moran have signed. R.J. Barrett's the next pick. He hasn't signed, and R.J. Barrett is. You know, kind of this great big regular numbers, but not great other numbers. And so there's a little bit of a question on how good is he and how valuable is he to the team. And if you look at his pick and roll numbers are really low, his drive numbers are really low, but his points per game are really high. Um, And so what do the Knicks want to do with him? Well, they can extend him on a really, really big deal. And then if you you trade for Don, your team is Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, and R.J. Barrett. Is that getting it done? And if you don't think that's getting done, then really R.J. Barrett's value to you is to move him for your next set of assets that go along with Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson, who you've just signed. From a Jazz standpoint, you go sign R.J. Barrett. He gives you a player who who can put it in the basket, probably keeps you moderately okay offensively. Um, And 
you sign the extension, you have pr- plenty of cap space, so that money's probably not a big problem for you if you're in the midst of a full retool after or rebuild after letting Donovan go. And so it's not probably a it's not a big deal to sign that contract. You're then really using that as an asset to move. Same same concept. Um, to be able to kind of continue to build your asset base. So my guess is that from the Jazz standpoint, R.J. Barrett is only valuable to them if getting him and moving him at a later date, or maybe he develops into your first piece of your stars. I do fundamentally believe in kind of having the pieces spaced out a little bit age-wise. Maybe he's your first star, but I'm not certain of that. His value is like, well, if if I don't take R.J. Barrett, what do I get instead? I get, oh, if I take R.J. Barrett, I get an X, you know, you're not getting extra. You probably get a one or two less first-round picks in the Knicks' mind because you took R.J. Barrett. Well, I'm not doing that unless I can go get two first-round picks for R.J. Barrett um, would be the way I would guess the Jazz are looking at the R.J. Barrett front. So we'll watch this with Donovan. I mean, Donovan's camp has been nicely quiet here and that I think Donovan's perfectly prepared to come back to Utah. And I don't think the Jazz are awful in any way, shape, or form right now. In fact, I think they're, um, you know, they'll probably still be one of the elite offensive teams as they're constructed at this moment. Now, is that the team that gets to, they're certainly short defensively. It'll be interesting to see how they defend. Um, you know, they could drop from 11th defensively to 28th pretty quickly right now with the way the roster is built, uh, depending on whether Walker Kessler, Doka Azabuke or Jared Vanderbilt can really play center and we can get any defense or whether or not you just spread us out and we have no rim protection. And then it's, you know, it's straight line of the basket would be pretty ugly. Um, but offensively, this team's still going to be great as it's constructed right now. So it's not a, you know, the Jazz are not a, a, a bad club at this point in time. Uh, it will be, you know, obviously if we move Donovan, we're into full retool, rebuild, and we seem to be willing to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays. I mean, it's probably, I'm guessing the Knicks don't have any doubt right now on what Danny Ainge wants. And... Um, I'm sure that's perfectly clear. And then they're going to try to figure out whether there's some point along the way where Danny would waver on that. And I can't see that day happening anytime in the next 12 months. I can't see why, what would be the point where the jazz would say, yeah, actually we're not, yeah, we need, we'll only take three. Like, I don't, I don't see where that comes in the next, uh, 12 months where from a Knicks standpoint, I'm not sure the Knicks are good yet. Like, I, I think the Knicks are probably the 10th best team in the Eastern Conference right now with the way their roster is constructed. So when they start the year, you know, four and seven or even five and five, and they don't have Donovan and this thing starts to percolate up, you know, I think that the, the trade package is actually no different at that point than it is today. And I think that there becomes amped pressure on the Knicks if they don't start the year 10 and five. Um, so if you're looking for pressure points, I think that's where that is. All right, we will get into Ask LOJ. I, again, I'm, I'm so sorry, and it's a bummer. And uh, I was on the yeah, – I'm not big into excuses. Um, we were – I think I, if you heard, you probably, which you probably didn't, I said early on we've had a bunch of technical difficulties. You actually can see it. Like my graphics are not right anymore. So all sorts of things have gone, kind of gone askew here as I've been traveling and moving different places. Um, but I'm back home, so hopefully the audio at least um, is – is working as well as it possibly as well as it possibly can. Uh, today's show is a Monday edition. It's brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. The, Mur- Mur- the Murdoch family 
has been in Utah now for over 80 years and maintaining those relationships. Chevy, oh, there's just nothing that says Americana like Chevy. The Silverado and the Colorado trucks are the best trucks on the market with the Chevy build to it. And the Silverado is really, really incredible. And the great SUV lineup with the Blazer, the Equinox, the Traverse, and the uh, Bolt is the... uh, is the electric car on it. It's all at Chevy, at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, as well as in uh, Logan. Go, if you're going to stop by, feel free to email me first. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs that have wrapped up, so you're looking for the next year odds after the draft. Major League Baseball, BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. They have the, uh, I got an email of the, of the, uh, MVP odds that are out there at this point for everyone. Um, And Luka Doncic is the favorite to win the MVP this next year. I think that's probably seems pretty reasonable um, on all that. And then uh, Donovan is, is way down. So like, if you believe Donovan's got a chance to have a massive year for the jazz or the Knicks uh, and break through in a manner that suddenly gives the uh, you know gives gives him a new like thirty five points a game might be like maybe he goes nuts. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether what happens with him. But he uh, will he he is the one leading the way on that. The other um, he's or he's down at about plus I think fifth five. I don't remember what it was, but it was really far down. So if you believe in Don and you want to make a wild card bet, that would be a fun one uh, to throw out there. It's all bet online. .net. By the way, speaking of bet online, super fun project going on on the NFL side of things. And that is that the we are doing the top 50 NFL players who are um, top 50 NFL players that are impact the betting lines. So who are the 50 best NFL players that impact the betting line? And uh, right, amazingly, uh, T.J. Watt came out in front of Aaron Donald. Miles Garrett came out in front of Aaron Donald um, today. So I was a little surprised by both those. Those are all locked on NFL on YouTube. Uh, you also can get it on all sorts of Roku apps as well. All right, let's get to our questions and apologize again for the problems. Richard says, even after all the podcast talk, I still have a hard time understanding why trade Donovan Mitchell. We have him for three more years. He isn't asking out. He's an incredible athlete in person. We struck gold. He's a once in a decade draft success. So let's enjoy it. I I think a lot of people are right there with you, Richard. So the reason to trade Donovan a little bit is your point is you have him for three more years and then he probably, well, he would be free to, I don't know, probably, but he would be free to leave. Most guys do leave. Most guys at that point have the right to choose where they want to live and um, where they want to spend the rest of their career. And so there's a high likelihood that after those three years, as most players other than Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic have done, that they would take the opportunity to go find a new place. So part of it is that, that, you know, if there is a moment in time. The second one is that, you know, once you've traded Rudy, Maybe you're making the next step, which is that you move Don. But I agree with you on the, like, he's just wonderful to watch. He's fabulous in our community. He's been incredibly important to us. He was our July 4th savior. He's just a wonderful kid. Um, 
He's a fabulous person to have. We're lucky to have him every single day. You root for 45. You know good things are going to happen. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from, Richard. The pragmatic basketball side says once you've made the first deal, you might as, you're probably on the road to making the second if you can get the right amount of assets. But clearly also Danny has shown like we're only doing this if it's for the right amount of assets. Um, and Danny has done an entire real retool with Paul Pierce as the primary player. Um, so he's done this before without going all the way to the bottom, uh, and letting everyone go. So it'll see, but I, I agree. You know, Don is absolutely marvelous and and both on and off the floor and has been, and it's been incredible to watch. And you go to the arena every night, not knowing what might happen next, which is just such a great feeling. And so, yes, uh, I am with you in a lot of what you're having to say, Richard. Michael says losing Ingles and Niang was a big blow to the locker room over the past year. How important is to have a great locker room guys? His personality locker room presence, something the team rates just like other abilities. I think it is really, really important, Michael. And if we go into a read, build it's it's important too you have to have an environment in which people want to come to work that's the most important thing and and when the yang was there and i have said this before i think we lost joe ingles the player joe ingles aging and then acl meant that we lost joe ingles the player and to me joe ingles the player was far more valuable than joe ingles the locker room guy joe's fun prickly as andy larson called him in the paper um he also you know He's he's a guy, but as long it's important that there's other guys around. And Niang just had the greatest. At, I enjoyed going to the building more every day because of George Niang, and then Derek Favors was such a such a selfless soul um, that he he set a tone for everyone that if he was willing to do what he was going to do, then you and you weren't worried about it then. And he wasn't worried about that. It kind of eliminated your ability to work. You know, you couldn't have your own gripes when Derek didn't have his. So those two to me, it's Niang and Favors, which got replaced by Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay, which changed the this dynamic a little bit on the team, plus the past scars. But to your question, certainly massively important to have that great locker room feel because it makes guys want to come to work. It makes people eager. Guys, you know, I could probably, if I if I went through it, I bet you... If we had kept a stat on time in the building, I would guess that each player was spending 35, 40 minutes more per day in the building two years ago than they did last year. Like, they, it, it just wasn't as good an environment, right? You weren't as happy. You'd had, you had some bad experiences with losses. Things weren't as... You just weren't chilling, hanging out in the beautiful practice facility the Jazz had built the same way. I've seen comments. It was a cancerous locker room. Things with dad. Joe, Joe's trade was huge. You were closer to this. How bad was it? Is there a book? So this is great follow-up question, Corey. There's not a book. It's not like it was not fights. It was not people throwing things. There wasn't like massive problems. Um, I don't think the Joe trade was huge, frankly. I kind of have said this a lot. Like Joe had torn his ACL at that point. He was, I don't think Joe would have been an important locker room presence on his crutches. Um, it wasn't any, it's subtle. And really, maybe my 35 minutes a minute ago was too much, but maybe not. Like, it's just subtle. You just, you get out of the house 15 minutes earlier and you get to the arena 15 minutes earlier because when you're putting on your shoes and getting dressed and doing your stuff, you're going to walk through the, 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 the eating area and stop and talk to someone and have a laugh and have a joke and everyone's in a good mood. And then you're going to get ready for practice. And then after practice, you're going to do a shooting game and then you'll go back and you'll probably grab another little something to eat in the beautiful 
you know, uh, almost like lodge-esque area they have to eat and talk to someone. And then you, you just you just end up spending 15 minutes on each side of practice more in the building because there's just a great vibe and a great energy and everything that's going on. And, and you just spend a little less time. Like there wasn't, you as I've said this a million times, you, if you watched every practice between Donovan and Rudy, you would, have ne- you would never have bought the national narrative that there was a problem there. there you, you would never see it. They communicated all the time. They interacted. They high-fived in practice. I, I, I was on a team, I was with a team as the play-by-play announcer where literally the dysfunction was such that a player would yell across the floor to another player to have them tell that player what they were supposed to do because they weren't talking to that player. Okay? Like, I've been there. I've seen that where literally the communication between two people on the team have stopped happening in any way, shape, or form because they're to such a point that this player yells across, tell that person that they're supposed to rotate over the top of them because they won't speak to them. Nothing like that. There's no massive drama. There's no, it would be a really boring soap opera. It just was the slow breakdown of collective positive collective energy you know as a reporter last year i asked chauncey billups and every joe dumars when i saw him and other people whenever i saw someone who was a champion i asked them about their past failures and how it formed their championship team and they all told the same story about that those losses solidified them and brought them together and their scars bonded them and they became less selfish and more selfless it's the same story that builds a championship. What I, what I failed to do as a reporter was talk to all the people that were on good teams that never won it and ask them about how their past failures tore them apart. Because that's really what happened to the Utah Jazz, was that the past failures that they had had from the bubble, the great revival in the bubble. Remember, we weren't in a great place going into the bubble. The revival that was built in the bubble, and then the loss to the Clippers, and then... And we just never got through that. And then COVID this year was bad. Like January, the losses in January just continued to kind of perpetrate that feeling amongst the club. of, And it just never got going. Quinn talked about the spark. It was super interesting to me listening to Will Hardy. Will Hardy talking about the Spurs championship run. He was on the Woj podcast talking about the, the Spurs championship run that they had coming back from when they lost to uh, Miami and Ray Allen. And he talked about it was the hardest year he'd ever been a part of. And that, frankly, they were down in the first round and about to lose. And then when they got through that first round series, it kind of propelled them. That's what Quinn was saying kind of behind the scenes in, in my conversations with Quinn the whole time was, we just need one collective positive experience. And the hope was it was the Donovan to Rudy pass, but it wasn't enough. Had they somehow gotten by Dallas, there, there is a belief that the, it, could have been, um, it could have been enough to propel them forward and get them past Phoenix and past other people. Maybe not the Warriors, but maybe um, with, with just a little juice that they needed a positive collective experience and they never got it. And it was super interesting to hear Will Hardy talk about how, you know, that they, they were in the same, the Spurs with all of their pedigree were in the search for the exact same thing uh, after that lot, right? That dreadful loss to Ray Allen in Miami. Uh, at what point all the trade talking rumors about Donovan going to take a toll on him and the rest of the team? This is a super question. This is from Brandon. Um, so I think this is a super question. 
there's no there's no doubt that with all of this talk, he's human, that Donovan hasn't taken a second recently and thought about the possibility of being a Nick, right? Like, that's just natural. Like, that at some point here, he has thought to himself of what it would be like to be a Nick um, and what it would be like to play in Madison Square Garden and what it would be like. And any time that happens, you know, it's it's your mind wanders and you begin to wonder what else, what it would be like. Like, that's a very natural, um, I, I'm not, like, I don't think there's anything strange or wrong about him having that feeling in any, that that's very, very natural. So when that has an impact on you, I mean, it's no different than if you're searching for a job and you start to think about your next job, it's hard to come back to your current job if you've really begun to think about um, that other one. So it does have a toll on him. But Donovan's a total pro. Um, he's done the best he can to insulate himself from a lot of this stuff. And I think, you know, we've never seen him do anything but be a pro. And so I would suspect he can figure out a way to handle it as, as difficult as it might be. Hate to play the what if game, but I thought it was interesting that Tony Jones said eight years of good GMing by Dennis Lindsay was undone by the jazz pick of Doak over Jaden McDaniels and Desmond Bain. How different do you think things are now? If you picked one of those guys, Woo, that's a lot to chew on. We'll answer that. In just a second, as we continue on today's edition of Locked on Jazz, which is brought to you in part by our friends over at Built. Built Bars, what's up right now? Toffee Almond is back and on sale. It does contain nuts. They're nice enough to tell us. It's a nut allergy. What puffs are out there? The Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff, super. Orange Dreamsicle Puff, super. Brownie Batter Puff, sold out. Oh, coconut marshmallow churro and banana cream pie are all there, plus the regular bars. And when you're talking built bar, you're talking the most remarkable macros 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four sugars, six grams of fiber, and 17 grams of protein. So the numbers that matter 130 calories. 2.5 2.5 fat grams, just 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. That's on the basic built Bar. Some of these are a little different. For example, the coconut marshmallow has 6 grams. Puff has 6 grams of sugar. By the way, I tasted the, I don't know if they're going to come out with it, cookie dough puffs. Woohoo! Super good. Promo code LOCKED15 gets you 15% off. That's the best discount you can find at built.com. That's 15% off at built.com. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, if you want to get into it now, Locked on NBA Big Board. But at Locked on NBA, they are talking about the Donovan Mitchell situation and trading of him as well. We might have to have the Knicks guys on and see what we can get from them in a deal. Um, I'll I'll play Danny Ainge. That'll be fun. All-powerful Danny Ainge. Um, So the question here is... Tony Jones said eight years of good GMing by Dennis Lindsay was undone when the Jazz picked Doak over Jane McDaniels and Desmond Bay. So I think there's a long show to be done here if Donovan gets traded. I'm probably going to hold off until Donovan gets traded of like where the window closed. Justin and Tandy said they thought that window was closed. Like how did that window close? What were the places where the door could have been jammed open? Retrospective on our moves, which is, you know, a lot easier than actually making the moves, doing a retrospective on them. 
This was not a great draft for the Jazz. There was a lot that went on that season that was strange. The three main moves that season were drafting Doke, signing favors to a $9 million contract, and re-signing Rudy. And they they were incongruent. Um, you know, it was almost as though we were just preparing for the possibility that we weren't going to re-sign Rudy. And everything was about that. Or almost as though we were trying to have leverage on Rudy in negotiations. I'm not sure... Um, you know, there are a lot of people who really did like Doke in that draft, though he probably could have been had a little bit later. Jaden McDaniels was an obvious need with his length and athleticism, and Desmond Bain has become super. Um, you know, Dennis Lindsay, I do know, was was a very big proponent of Doke and thought he was the right pick. I do know that other departments, the analytics kind of had their guy, other scouting people had their guy. You know, when you get down to 27 in a draft, it's not it's never universal, so that's not unusual, um, but it makes for a good story. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one's an easy one to jump on and say, you know, and hopefully dope turns us around. He's working hard right now. He's in Salt Lake. He's, he's working super hard to try to come back. Uh, we can't blame dope for the fact that two other kids have played well. Um, so I mean that I have a hard time saying that one pick, but you know, we just didn't maximize the pieces around Donovan and Rudy, um, you know, our big throw was Mike Conley. Milwaukee's big one was Drew Holiday. Phoenix's big one was Chris Paul. And, you know, of the three, ours probably had the least impact, but he was also got us to the number one regular season record one year. So hard to say that. Um, you know, if you could have added something else there, could it, could it have helped a little bit? Maybe. I mean, it's a butterfly effect, right? So if you get Jaden McDaniels, you think he's good, are you able to trade Royce for something at an earlier stage? You Are you willing to trade... You know, there was probably a moment in time where you should have traded Joe if you weren't going to sign him an extension, and we didn't do it because we just didn't have a replacement for him. So there's a bunch of those type of things that took place, and then by the end of it, what accelerated it, frankly, is just having no cap room and no draft picks. There was no mechanism by which to continue to grow. You know, we really had, you know, the extra pick we end up giving to Mike Conley, the pick we end up having to give up for Derek Favors, those end up limiting what the Jazz had as options to be able to to build around Donovan Rudy and ended up in this circumstance where they were this offseason where there was just absolutely nothing to do, right? Like we went through the decision-making tree, trade draft, oh, we didn't have draft picks, free, didn't have free agent money. So then you're trading Mike, boy, well, that doesn't happen, then what are you doing? Are there sleeper teams that could jump in for the Mitchell trade circuit? Thunder, Memphis, Pelicans, Magic, Clippers, Raptors. Raptors maybe. Don't see Clippers. Don't see Pelicans because that's, I think the upgrade from Donovan over CJ is not monumental enough. Um, But it is better. Um, Don't see Memphis because of John Morant. Do see Brooklyn as a possibility. Do see the Knicks. It really only takes one to start to have to. If the Knicks think there's a chance they're going to lose Donovan Mitchell then that's a massive pressure point for them. There's two massive pressure points that are waiting for the Knicks. One is a 500 start, any season start other than 10 and 5. Like, I might check, the, when the schedules come out in the middle of August, I might check the Knicks schedule before I check our schedule. Um, and then the second one would be if somebody else starts to get involved. How many total first-round picks do you think we end up with after the teardown? I love this. Fun. All right, so we have four. We have five, four from the Minnesota. We have five for Royce O'Neal. I think Boyan yields one if we trade him. That would be six. I think Donovan yields four to trade him. I think it's take four and something else. So let's call it five with pick swap in there. So that gets us to 11. 
Mike might get you a protected one if you're moving that. That's 12. I would go 12. I would set my over under at 11. And you could decide whether you want to go over or under. You can, in the YouTube comments, you can decide over or under on 11 picks that the Jazz get first round picks from other people. Maybe 12 is the over under on that by the time this is done. Giving up all those picks and players doesn't seem like a good plan for the Knicks. Could it be Danny knows if he gets a ton of assets? Great, but more likely if no one is willing to pay the price, he can shut down all the Don talk and get Don to work in Utah. Yeah, I mean, Don's got to play along, and he's a good kid, so I think he does. Like, I mean, I do think there's a level here where you're saying to, to Don, like, we got what you want, which is eventually going to end up in New York. I don't know if that's true, but let's assume. And we know what they want, so we're willing to do what we can, but we can only do what's good for the franchise, and they're not willing to play along. So let's, let's go through the season. We'll keep the conversation open, and then Don just needs to keep playing great. Um, and Don's a great kid. So I think that, that, that you end up that there's something to that. Like you're not placating sounds like in an authoritative, almost like parent to a seven year old. I don't think that, but I do think there is something there, um, where, you know, if if you, if you're not taking, you know, we're hanging up every phone call, that kind of weird, mysterious idea that like they call and you hung up, um, if that was the case, then yeah, Don probably has some right to be upset. Does it worry you at all that most of the picks we are getting might be, Getting for the Knicks, if Don is traded, would be 15 to 25. Can we build a championship the way Boston had at least number two, number three picks and went that route? So this is another, this is why we redid the Ask LOJ show because these questions are great. So Jeremy, on one level, yes. Um, Minnesota it continues to be good. The Knicks, you also push these things out far enough and long enough that you have the variability that things could happen from trades to injuries to decline in play to whatever. Um, where those unprotected picks become valuable the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum did for Danny in Boston. The other thing, though, is that in the midst of this, you as a team are losing games and playing to the front side of the draft. So it's actually what you're trying to do is say, from the Jazz standpoint, we have four years of trying to acquire low draft picks, you know, top five, top 10 picks that build the foundation of your next existence. And then you're using your Minnesota and Knicks picks either to acquire other assets or to acquire complementary players or to trade together to move up to get even another one. If you have a player you're really hot after, it's just giving you flexibility and possibilities to do what you need to do. And so, but truthfully, the best picks, if you build this plan likelihood or over the next four years when you're not winning a lot the way Houston and Oklahoma City and Detroit have done recently in Orlando but they haven't been very successful at it until this year where they got the number one pick and so you're playing that game and frankly with the way the lottery odds right now are you probably better be not very good you're gonna have to get lucky if you're gonna try to get a number one pick you you got to do it for three or four or five years to be able to get you know one of the top picks because the lottery odds have been flattened a little bit all right let's take one or two more what supporting crew would it take to make Don want to stay? I mean, I think that's a, you know, that's the interesting kind of effort Danny has to make is just if Don, if the deal doesn't go down and Don's playing and we're sitting at six and six and something starts to happen in the league where you suddenly might be able to add another piece to the puzzle. Can you, can you build, can you build with Don in a manner that makes him feel comfortable about the future? Um, if the jazz do go trade Don and go into full rebuild, how many years do you think it'll take for us to be a playoff team again? I, you know, we did it in one last time, which was really remarkable. Um, I do think it's a four or five year, you know, let's watch. Let's see what Oklahoma City does. Let's see what Houston does. They're in what, year two and three. De- Detroit's in year three. Um, 
It's worth us going back and doing a research project on this to kind of see how long it took Oklahoma City. They were the first to do it when they moved from Seattle and decided to play the movie Major League to Seattle um, as they tried to move. So I think that's um, it. Great question. Super appreciate um, this. This has been an often asked question I want to get to. Does the All-Star game being played in Utah next year affect Donovan's situation? I think that's very clear. No. Here's another really good one. If Quinn knew the Jazz were headed to a full rebuild, do you think he would have left? I actually don't think that had a big impact on Quinn in the sense that I think that Quinn actually would be great um, with a rebuild. And probably the year he enjoyed coaching the most was the first uh, when he was rebuilding. And finally, why do we trade Rudy to Minnesota when we know Donovan is the cat guy? Have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.